0: Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom.
1: Oh, wonderful. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I'm glad you could be with us today. And those online, we thank you for being uh, part of this. Um, and if, you, if your heart is moved, you can always go to livingmessiah.com and donate. That would be a great help. We thank you again for being part of our family. Um, So, as usual, comments and questions, we have a mic, so just raise your hand. The mic will make its way to you. Just be brief um, and on point of what we're talking about, and let's not get ahead of the text. Something I mentioned last week I'd like to mention again is, you know, you need to be studying for yourself and you need to be researching for yourself. It can't all just come from up here. You have to be engaged with your creator and, and his scripture as well. So let me just add that encouragement out to you to you guys. So we, we are at Jacob's well in Samaria and a woman is having a conversation with Yeshua. That's where we're at. This is the land of the Northern Kingdom, um, uh, and around this, in its around the city of Shechem, if not the city of Shechem, yes. Oh, oh, I forgot to pray. Did I not? I'm glad you reminded me. Let me uh, open in prayer. Father Yahweh, we give you great thanks. We thank you again for uh, another wonderful Shabbat. Be with us in our study, Father, and help us grow closer to you and to one another. We thank you. Amen. Thanks for the reminder. So, so, anyhow, we were at Jacob's well, that's where this section of scripture is, and we were de- talking about the conversation that went on, on with Yeshua and this woman from Samaria. Um, let me go back to my notes so I don't forget anything here. Um, it, it is the the area of the northern kingdom, and it possibly is Shechem, or real close to Shechem. And then just just as a reminder in the beginning when we were looking at this remember all the things that occurred in around this city so yeshua is sharing that he is the messiah at this point okay he's unveiling that to her revealing that to her but remember the bible uh, the bible that she has or recognizes is only the first four uh, the first five books which is the the five books of moses they the samaritan uh Bible, as we noticed, as I, as I looked in my research, which is limited uh, too, but it doesn't seem like they have the prophets or any type of uh, prophets with them, at least not at this time of Messiah. So, so we looked at where she might have gotten this idea of a Messiah, um, from just those five books, just noting that. So we talked about the one like Moses is what we discussed last week, the promise from Elohim to Moses that one, one would rise up from amongst the brothers, one amongst the people, and eventually he would visit his people as well. So I want to finish up this story on the Samaritan woman. Um, Today, so and I think we can do that, okay? So let's continue here. and upon and upon this, his taught, one, taught ones came, and they were marveling that he was speaking with a woman. However, no one said, "What do you seek?" or "Why do you speak with her?" The woman uh, then left her water jug and went away to the city and said to the men, "Come see a man who told me all that I have done." Is this not the Messiah? They went, they, they went out of the city and were, uh, were coming out to him. So I want to skip here because then it goes on and then it says, But in the meantime... Okay so what I want to do is I want to skip here and go to the end of the story the Samaritan woman and come back to this conversation that Yeshua has with his apostles or those who are following him at this point because I one I think it's an interesting placement but let's get the, the the full story of the Samaritan woman because I made a comment where um, or a comment earlier and I kind of want to emphasize that again here so it goes on we're going to go to John Four thirty-nine, and many of the Samaritans of the city believed in him because of the word of the woman who witnessed. He told me all that I have done. Therefore, when the Samaritans came to him, they were asking him to stay with him, stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed or trust because of his word. And they they said to they said to the woman. We no longer believe because of what you said. We ourselves have heard and we know that this is truly the Messiah, the Savior of the world, or the life of the world, in some some Aramaic scripts. And after after the two days he left there and he went to Galilee. He continued on his journey. So this goes back to what I presented to you. Um, from some other research and readings that I had that this woman if she had had a bad reputation do you think these people would follow whatever she was saying out to meet this messiah you know and I would say no Um, this woman I don't see had a loose lifestyle so to speak okay she maybe had a rough life with husbands, however that may have happened. Maybe some had died. And remember, it was only the husband that could divorce, so maybe, um, maybe she wasn't able to have uh, children. and. Then the husband said, well, we're not having any kids. I'm divorcing you, getting someone else. And it happens time and time again. And and that's not out of the question. That's maybe not what the text is saying, but it surely isn't saying that she had a loose lifestyle and we should be condemning her and all of a sudden something else, okay? So I think we should at least take that into consideration here, okay? Okay. But it's interesting. They believed in what he he said. And isn't that amazing? There's no death, no resurrection, but they believed what he was saying. And they only had the five books of Moses to go by, but they believed what he was saying. To me, that's very, very powerful, okay? And I think that's something that we... Need to have in our arsenal as how we why we are trusting in uh, Jesus or Yeshua. Okay, we should we should know it from the five books as well, of just not the New Testament. Okay, I think that that plays a huge part in our life, and honestly, then I think it can be just it can only be more solidifying our faith and make us stronger. Okay. So, obviously, out of those five books of Moses, they were waiting for a prophet, a Messiah. So, Yeshua was convincing them based just upon that information. Again, I think that's very powerful. So, we can then conclude then, when we walk according to the teachings of Moses, okay, we walk the way Messiah walked. It's kind of different there. So what is what is that is being a true witness okay because he has not died he has not resurrected okay and yes uh, for some of his audience in Judea okay it was the fullness of the Tanakh with the prophets but with them he still accomplished his mission that he was doing from what he said so That's being a true witness, you know. Uh, If we purely um, do it just because of the love of our Father, that's where I'm, I'm believing where the power will come from. Not that there's a bunch of do's and don'ts, but if we do it because our heart's in it to walk after that, that's where He wants us to be, okay? And obviously how do I say this obviously, if that was the manner, maybe how um the early or not maybe not the early church, but if the church in its sense would of uh would have testified or would have walked according how to Messiah, maybe a lot more of of our brother Judah would recognize Yeshua for who he was too, but in that. I've seen in some ways they've got due to us they've gotten a false impression about Messiah, you know, um, in the mainly because of the Torah has been done away with. You don't need to do that, so that changes the concept of a Messiah in their minds. Okay, so it comes back to this. Ultimately, there is one God, there's one Father, one law, one Spirit, one people, and one Son that we need to imitate, okay? And I would imagine you're like me, that path, the path that we're on, it must get narrow and narrow as we go in life, okay? Not just look for the narrow path, it should be part of our life that the path gets narrow. So... Uh, I'll get uh, you, sister, Kathy.
2: Just before we get too far along, but this woman reminds me of me in a way because maybe all of us that I was brought up um, Catholic and all my beliefs growing up were against this, and then once I became walking in the Torah, it's like I had I have a whole new life now. Like I could feel close to Jesus and God and like it just kind of like wraps it all up for me in a way I guess you could say but yeah I think that's pretty strong too that like once we became walking in this walk that there's no turning back and we all know that this is the truth and the way
1: yes Yes, thank you. I mean, yes, our lives, our lives will change. And there comes that narrow path that we see that Messiah will mention. Um, I don't know if it's later on in John, but we know that he mentions about that narrow path. And few find that, okay? So back to the meantime, the conversation that Yeshua is having with his followers, okay? But in the meantime, his taught ones were asking him, saying, Rabbi or teacher, eat. And he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Then the taught ones said to each other, did anyone bring him any food to eat? So it's, this is kind of interesting here for me, at least. I hope you find the same. Is Rabbi eats something. Sometimes we need to put aside, maybe. Maybe there's one thing we can get out of, there, out of this. Sometimes there's something that we may need to put aside for something that's more, uh, more weighty. And my wife's always reminding me, too, because of my schedule, how my mind works to change up my schedule. And I have to be reminded sometimes, oh, maybe there are more important things that you have to do in that schedule that you have. Okay? And so maybe that's one thing that we can get out of this. You know, they're worried about food. Did you eat? And he's saying, uh, I had more pressing things I was taking care of at this point, okay? That very well could be part of it, and I would say that it is. But it's about food. So if we start there, as this dialogue goes, because the whole conversation does begin about food and eating, all right? So what we should do, or at least what I did looking at this, well, let's go back to the meaning, the meaning of food, the simple meaning of food. Eating food gives us life, right? And that's what he's comparing it to. Because obviously you need to eat to be have energy and to have life. So, so in some ways he's saying the Father's way gives life. You know, because that's what he, he was in amongst during something, right? So ultimately, what does that sound like? It sounds something like... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every what? Every word. So all of a sudden we see a comparison that should be coming in our mind about the will of God, about the commandments, and life at the same time. Joe? I don't
3: think he was talking about physical food, because in the context he said my meat or my food is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work well what was his work dying on a cross for our salvation that was the reason why he even came to earth to intercede between us and god he's his, he's the gateway to heaven
1: yes i, I would agree with you um, and i'll show you where i am i do agree that is it uh, is one of his Major points, but there, you actually said it. There's something else there that I think is has to be that was even more pressing, and we'll just look at that. Thank you, Joe, because it does. It comes back to this life, this food, and I, I see it as a spiritual thing, but I see it as a physical thing that you have to be doing, because He's Messiah Himself. He is physically doing these things. Okay. So, uh, John, you had your hand up. Are you going to Deuteronomy eight three? Um, uh, not necessarily, but read it. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers
0: know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceedeth from, from out of the mouth of the Lord. So
1: I'm just interested—is this they didn't know about? It. I'm just comparing. They didn't know what that was to what they're asking him that same type of question yes no thank you john you see the relationship that's there or that at least i'm saying that concept as we're reading that should ring a bell in our mind to go back to just that verse and that concept that there's more to life than just food and actually there's always there's something first before that you even have that food in that life uh... Wanda,
4: One of the things that I thought of when I read to finish his work was the scripture that talks about, I have not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. So everything he does and says is fulfilling everything that Yah said would happen, is going to happen, ever happened, (laughs) because actually he, I don't think he was here just to die on the cross. I think he did way more than that in the process of his life here because he actually in the pre-incarnate Christ was an intercessor already in the Old Testament we see examples of him being the intercessor there so I think there's way more going on than meets the eye
1: no, and I, and I'm I'm so glad you said that because that's exactly what I, I I'm looking at that's happening here. Yes, he did come that mission that he had, but there was something that he had to do beforehand, like Wanda was sharing. I would perfectly agree with that. There was something more. Um, and let's read that, and we'll expand upon that because ultimately, if he didn't complete that thing before going on the cross. He couldn't do the mission on the cross if he wasn't doing something that was very, very important beforehand. Yeshua said to them, my food is to do the desire of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. There's two things there, and we'll, we'll look at those. Do not, say there are still, uh, do not say there are still four months and the harvest comes. See. I say to you, lift up your eyes and see the fields, for they are white for harvest already. He who is reaping receives a reward and gathers fruit into everlasting life, so that both he who is sowing and he who is reaping rejoice together. For this is the for this word is true one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap that. For which you have not labored others have labored and you have entered into their labors all of a sudden there's a lot of things going on here for me so what I want to kind of maybe try to do is dissect this here a little bit okay so this remember this food comment is in the middle of this story of the Samaritan woman okay and one most of the time it's, it's old oh, we And I I would say, yes, he's witnessing. He's bringing someone back into the kingdom. I agree. I think that's there. But I also believe um, it is just not about harvesting souls for the kingdom that is going on here. Okay? Because I think something gets overlooked here. So is there more? Is there more to his sayings? Is there something first before we must look at it? What was the first food? See, I'm going back to the concept that started first. Okay? Or that started this whole conversation. What is food and what does food bring? It obviously brings life and then life eternally. Because this first opens with the food concept. This word, uh, his word is commandments, as we saw in Deuteronomy. So that's that concept of food that's there. He is the, ultimately, in the way how he is, he's the only one that has life within himself. So we need to get life some other way. And sometimes I thought, well, maybe that's why he made food to begin with. So we would understand him, and ultimately that's just truth itself. He has life within himself, and we don't, so we have to do something to have life to, in order to live. That, I think, has to be part of this as we're looking at this concept. And I think the, the, the Father reveals himself in that type of mechanism, and what I mean by that, that we have, we have to do something to live. That's a reality. Even if you don't believe in a creator, you have to do something to live or else you don't live. And if you focus on that, even as an atheist or whatever, somewhere along the line, you're going to like, there has to be a choice. So you can see why that is a powerful metaphor and why he uses it and maybe why it gets so overlooked so much. Yes, Joe.
3: Just looking forward into John 17, uh, verse 4, I want to focus in on the word finish, which is a completeness. I finished the work. I completed the work. Scripture mm-hmm. says, "I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do." And was one that was saying, "He was here because uh, the disciple." He said to his disciple, "If you have seen me, if you see me, you have seen the Father." So these are joint. Uh, deal. But the finished work is the fact that the salvation, his dying on the cross, was the phoenix. That's why he came for a gospel of the world that he gave his only begotten son.
1: Yes. No, I agree with you, Joe. Um, My only thing is where I'm trying to focus in here is, like, he could not have done any of that. He had to do something beforehand before he could accomplish any of that. And that's by doing those commandments and teaching those commandments. So that's where I, um, that's where I see when he says um, my food is, a, um, is the desire of him who sent me. First, what's that desire? First, the desire can't be just the mission that he was out to accomplish because it follows up and accomplish his work or accomplish his mission. So before he could accomplish his mission or make it, to the point where it is finished and it's complete. He had to be doing something else. And that's walking out the Torah. and Walking out the commandments in his life, life. And teaching others how to do that. So, so he's saying with the word of God. There is always food to eat. That's what I believe that he's saying here. Okay. Because he's comparing it here for instance. Look. He goes. And there are still four months to harvest come. See I say to you lift up your eyes and it's ready to harvest. Okay, so is that people ready to come into the kingdom, or is he saying something else at the same time there? And he's just using the idea of harvest time and expanding on upon it. And I would say that he's using the idea of the harvest time and expanding on it, and I in this way. So saying because um, that's what he he reacts, and this is what he says right after this. So with God, there's, uh, there's always food to eat, f- fruit to harvest, and always seed to sow. Uh, let me say that different. So it, they're talking about food here. And he says, see, I lift up, look at the harvest is going on. You know, you say there's four months, then we harvest. But Messiah is saying... Guess what? It's going on now to harvest. Does that mean bringing people into the kingdom? I would say before that happens, meaning, you know, I, I'm always eating my father's food. Meaning, just because the harvest is four months, that means, no, you should be doing it now. You should be harvesting now. Is that bringing people into the kingdom? Yes. Or should you, be, at the same time, be harvesting and producing righteous fruit? Always. So, so you should always be doing the works of Elohim, okay? You should uh, walk, your your walk, your life doesn't stop because it's not harvest season, okay? You see where I'm going with this? Maybe not. Uh, I don't know how else to explain it. There's plenty of seasons in our life that we have from time to time to time, right? There's harvest time. He's focusing on that. And he's comparing it back to say, you know what? Yeah, you say there's time to harvest in four months, but I'm telling you right now is a time to harvest. It's the time to harvest and produce righteous works and acts of God. You don't put that on hold. That should be going on all the time. And why I say that, because this to me, did you, what brings to your mind when it says in the, uh, there's a time to harvest, a time to sow, right? A time to this, a time to that. I want to go look at those verses, and then maybe that will help out what's going on here. Uh, Kathy, and then Mark, and then um, Jenny and Chris. Um, just to sum it up
2: with myself about if I... Um, hear you correctly, is that we need to consume the food of the Spirit with Yeshua and YAH and also to consume the food for our nutrition. And we have to do it like daily, multiple times a day, just it's all in one, the food of um, YAH and Yeshua and also the food for nutrition if that's what you were like when you both?
1: Yes, because the comparison from the very beginning is about food. It's talking about food. That's how all this begins. So if he's opening with the concept of food, then we have to understand what was written before that should be in their minds. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of Yahuwah. So I was looking up the Greek
0: word for white, and so it's, it, it's used in Greek in the Septuagint for Laban, which is another, the Hebrew word for white. But it can also mean like a, a, a light brownish color of, of wood, which would be what a field looks like if it's ready for harvest. You know, when wheat is ready to harvest, it's turned to this brown, light brown color. But it also has this idea of purity, of white purity, of, um, you know, white robes. So, like, the field is ready because the bride has made herself ready
1: for the harvest. Mm, Awesome. Thank you, Mark. So, as the, we got Jenny.
2: I
3: got thinking about verse 34.
1: Yep. Talk into the mic there.
3: I was checking out verse 34 and thinking about it and thinking, you know, when Christ speaks to the Father, it's through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was showing him the people that were, being, that were prepared for salvation. He was showing his people the people were ready for salvation. They didn't realize that the food is the people receiving the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm seeing in that.
1: Yes. No, I, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. We'll get Chris, and then I want to show you an Ecclesiastes, and maybe there I can make it clear maybe what I'm trying to get across.
5: So this week it was just interesting that you said that. And uh, this last, just this last week has just been a really hectic week, and things kind of flying in, and I've been praying a lot on well, what do we do, Ralphie, in the times where we forget what our rights are under the Covenant? As far as like we you know, we we the the answer I got this week was there's no better time than right now to remember that how mighty our God is and how he can take care of us. But I think knowing like yes, we're supposed to act in this moment. This is we and, and we're diligently pursuing him in these ways of following the Torah. And I guess you know, as as a as a community or as we gather as people. When we forget these things, when we forget that we have, we can stand there in a moment of adversity and it's not, it's not as easy to remember when things are going crazy that God's in control of this situation and that I can put my trust 100% in him that I don't have to worry right now in the moment. He can worry for me right now. Let me try to operate in love and, and calmness and shalom and peace. So I guess like, you know, for this it's just, I guess the importance of what you're saying is the now part, the let me remember right now, he is an awesome God. Let me remember right now that I have all these blessings when I follow in these ways and whatever we're facing at that moment, whether it's anger or injustice or whatever is causing strife that we we can remember. It, it, it's difficult, but we, if we can remember in that moment that right now we need to act in these ways, that we need to follow in these ways, that's when I think we can start seeing a more transformational aspect in our own lives, as far as the the body, mind, and and our soul and spirit of walking in these ways of the Torah, is is exactly what you're saying. Is we have to remember the right now, not tomorrow, not next week but in the moment where we can be present with the spirit
1: yes thank you and that brings in my mind maybe i can sum some of this up this way um and maybe i forgot to mention this too because you remember it's they're in samaria okay the apostles leave they bring back food maybe not all of them left or whatever i'm getting off my notes and so maybe i can do better at that than this um but so you have, there's, remember, there's this friction between the Samaritans and the Judeans. Messiah's followers are all Judeans at this point, okay? So they're in a land. Why are you talking to that woman? They didn't, you see how the woman issue is a big thing to them. So it must have been the, in some ways, remember, they didn't like the Samaritans because they did things different. And in a lot of the text reads that they, to the point that they were unclean people to a lot of the Judeans. Okay, so you have this going on. Messiah's talking with them. They're like, whoa, the guy who we're following, he's talking to a Samaritan woman. That's kind of unclean according to where we're coming from. All right? And Messiah said, what? You guys? Yeah, great. You know, four, four months in the season of harvest is coming or whatever. But I tell you, you know, I'm eating now. I'm doing Ultimately, the words and the commandments my my father has given me, I'm doing them all the time. I'm not, you know, so he's bringing in this concept of these times of uh, seasonings. And he's saying right now. Because they understood, okay, there is a time for this. There is a time for this. There is a time of harvest. But I'm going to go to Ecclesiastics and I'll show you where there is no, there's tons of things of times and season, times of this, times of that. But there is nothing that says In Ecclesiastes, there's a time to disobey and a time to obey. There's a time to sin and there's a time not to sin. You will not find that. So my point that I think is coming here that Messiah is trying to make to those apostles of his, hey, I'm doing what my father's told me to do and you should be doing this always, okay? There are times and seasons, but it's always a good season to treat people well. Not to break them down because they're a Samaritan woman. Treat them with what you know you should be, how you should be treating them. You know, so that's what he's, to me, is bringing into the picture. And yes, we do see that ultimately he's bringing in the Samaritans into the kingdom. He's bringing its evangelistic tool. But you know what? My whole thing that I see Messiah could not be our Messiah if he did not do these things first. If he did not obey the commandments of the Most High, we would not have a Messiah. We would not have someone who is righteous enough to die and rise again and then bring us back into the kingdom. That, to me, should be the emphasis here. And I'll show you a lot that... um, Let me get you, Brad, and then we'll go to Ecclesiastics, and I'll show you how that, to me, what I just said, weighs out much clearer in Scripture... Okay, and should be how it flows rather than just an evangelistic tool and bring people in the kingdom. Because ultimately, if you don't know, you know, you have the Great Commission, and I'll show you the Great Commission, but if you don't know how to teach someone how to go, and if you don't know the commandments, then you're, you're not evangelizing anything, okay? Because you have nothing to teach them. Yes, Brad.
3: Are you going to take apart verse 38?
1: 38. I sent you to read, you know, I I was and maybe we will maybe that will come apart, but if you have any kind of I'm insight on I just wondering
3: or... who the others have labored. You're going to read my, for what you have not labored, others have labored, and I, I don't understand what that is.
1: My, my thought process on that, and as I was going through and how he was laying it out, I would say this, because, you know, um, it goes this way. He who is reaping receives a reward and gathers fruit for everlasting life. So that can't be that I go save someone, and all of a sudden I'm, I got eternal life because I got someone to say a, a particular prayer. Because ultimately, your destination of where you're going to be is on you, not somebody else. But scripture over and over again talks so much about the fruit, what we do, what we do. And that's the actions that he told us to behave, the fruit of the spirit or the fruit of doing those commandments. So it goes back to then the reaper who are the reapers. So that would be us. If we're taking in that good, good fruit and doing that all the time, that, that's the walk that leads us to everlasting life by doing those commandments, right? Who's the sower? I think it's this. Mark uh, 4.13 says this, and he said to them, do, not un- do you not understand this parable? How then shall you understand all parables? The sower sows the word of God. Ultimately, about and it's in Mark and in Luke, it talks about this sower. Ultimately, it's the sower. the sower. Is Elohim and the seed is the word of Elohim. So it's him who is sowing out the commandments, the way of life to those who take it in. And when they take it in, he rejoices because their fruit of doing what he's asked. And we, when we do it, woo-hoo, we rejoice with the Father. So you see, we rejoice with him who has sown already. Because it, it's strange, even Luke has this. And this is the parable. The seed is the word of Elohim. There is a, it's ultimately, it's weird. And I didn't have time because I, I understand it, but i not enough to explain it to you except to say this. In the Aramaic, the words being used here, if you knew Aramaic from what I read, you would see there's kingdom language here, but you would not know it in another language. You would only know it if you knew the the Hebrew or the Aramaic, the way the word puns are going around. You would instantly know he's speaking kingdom talk here. So so that's how I see. So if we take those concepts, he's saying, how can you understand any, any of the parables if you don't understand this one first? The first he's the sower sowing the seed, which is the word of Elohim, out. So that's where I'm basing what I just said on that concept. So I see he's the sower, and ultimately, somehow that sower's down here, Yeshua, still sowing that seed and wanting people to walk that lifestyle, produce that fruit, and to harvest that in our lives, good, righteous fruit, so we can rejoice because we got better lives now with him who rejoices because you're obeying my commandments my kids you know that's what i see was going on here okay uh joe and then let's go to and then i'll go to ecclesiastics
3: i could be wrong on this but and seeing uh what our brother was asking a while ago about verse 38 it says uh i sent you to reap that wherein he bestowed our place no labor, other men labor. Could he, in the context, when he was talking uh, in uh, verse 21, 22, 23, 24, sound to me like it was a evangelistic uh, message. And so,
1: or could he be talking about the prophets? Or, I would say more, Joe, uh, more to the prophets, because they're the ones who labored before. They took on, stuck to the commandments, stuck to the commandments and did them. And now all of a sudden, remember Messiah, I think it's in John to say, you know what? The prophets long to see what you guys are seeing right now. You know, so you've entered someone else's labor by sticking by it. All right? That's where I think that, that aspect comes in. And what were the prophets doing? Repent, right? Repent to what? Repent back to the commandments, back to what I gave you when you came out of Egypt, when I met with you at the mountain.
0: Mark. So this uh, idea that um, Chris brought up of remembering or forgetting, it's interesting that that's coming up because we're going to talk about the Hebrew word for that in our next session on the main study. But you know what? When you look at the Hebrew word for remembering, zakar, It literally is talking about when we're doing the feasts, that's a memorial. It's a reminder. So when we're doing the things that he says to do, that's the reminder. And it keeps us remembering him because we're doing this cycle of always keeping him at our forefront. We're always keeping him before our eyes, his word in our lips. And so that's how we continue to remember. The the scripture points out that when we forget God, it's when we stop doing the things that he's asked us to do. That's how you
1: forget actually thank you mark so it is awesome to me what's going on here so ecclesiastics i'm going to go into this real quick and then we'll come back we still have enough time if i can kind of rush through it for every matter or everything uh there is an appointed time even a time for uh every pursuit under the heavens a time to to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot. That could be a time of harvest, a time, or a time to sow, or a time to harvest. A time to slay, a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up. I have seen the task of Elohim as given to the sons of men, to be humbled by it. And that's where I think this conversation where he was specifically going back to his apostles and really trying to emphasize in a point. How they thought about the Samaritans and how they thought about this woman in general. Because guess what? He may know a lot of things, but they don't know. They were maybe judging unrighteously towards her. He has made it all uh, uh, pretty in its time. Even the ages he has put in their hearts, except that one, uh, no one finds out the work of the Elohim does from the beginning to the end. That's very humbling. You don't know what Elohim's up to, okay? The picture's much bigger than we could ever see. I know that there is no good for them but to rejoice and to do good in their lives. Still comes back. How do we do good in our lives? Obviously, it's the commandments. And also, that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of his labor, it, it is a gift of Elohim. What's his labors? Doing those commandments, and then what you get from producing that. That's, that's a gift. I know that everywhere Elo, Elohim does, I, I know that whatever Elohim does is forever. There is no adding to it, and there is no taking from it. It's interesting that's in Ecclesiastics, and that it's actually in revelation as well if i remember correctly Elohim does it that men should fear before him then it goes on 17 i said in my heart Elohim judges the righteous and the wrong for there is a time for every matter and for every work so so i so i saw that man could do no better but to rejoice in his own works for for that is the portion for who would bring him to see that shall be after him. Now, it's interesting. We're going, I'm going, this is the conclusion to Ecclesiastics. And like I said, you can go check it. I didn't want to read it all, but there is no thing about time to sin, and time to obey, time to disobey. That is not part of it. So the conclusion is, is this. Let us Hear hear the conclusion of the entire matter. Fear Elohim and guard his commandments, for this applies to all humanity, all mankind. For Elohim shall bring every work in the right ruling, including all that is hidden, whether good or whether evil. So this idea, look, it's about you saying it's, you know, X amount of months, the time for harvest. To me, that brought me back to Ecclesiastic's, where I believe Messiah was trying to make a bigger point, there's always his work to do. You should always be doing his commandments, always harvesting the fruit of righteousness in your life wherever we're at. Now, we might have these types of times and seasons in our life, but that is consistent. Doing the commandments should be consistent. Consistent. And I think that's maybe what he was pointing out to the apostles, and maybe which I know sometimes I or any of us find ourselves in, we do we're doing great right here, but then we kind of slack over here due to somebody or something happen, right? Messiah is bringing us back in and saying, no, be doing that consistent through your life. Be doing those commandments. Uh, Chris, I'll get you, and then I have to close, okay?
5: So while you were talking, this just made me think of James uh, chapter four. Can I read for one minute or um and I just want to read this because it does it just hits on every aspect of what you were talking about Ralphie and it says what what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have so you kill you covet but you cannot get what you want so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you don't ask God. When you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means an enemy against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world makes an enemy of Yah. Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has, cause to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve and mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city and spend a year there carry on business and make money why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow what is your life you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes instead you ought to say if it is the lord's will we will live and do this or that as it is you boast in your arrogant schemes all such boasting is evil if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them.
1: Awesome. So you can see, thank you, Chris. You can see how uh, James uh, even plays a part in this whole concept. Thank you. And what I want to, because, real quick, because uh, the, this section has always been, it's been mentioned many times here, as the evangelistic tool as far as the good news. yes. We see, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the good news to every creature, okay? That's in Mark, but take a look at Matthew. I think Matthew really encapsulates it much better of actually the mindset. It says, therefore, go and make taught ones, all right, of all nations, of all peoples out there, emerging in, in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Set-apart Spirit, okay? But then here's this. Teach them to guard all that I command you and see I am with you always until the end of the age. Amen. Is it evangelistic here? Yes. But I think before it can be an evangelistic thing that was going on, Messiah was showing, even before there was something to talk about, some kind of redemption to come back to, he had to do the commandments and that's what he's asking us to do and what I believe he's kind of pointing out to the apostles. The importance is, is the commandments. So let me close there with prayer. Father Yehovah, we give you great thanks. We thank you again for your words and uh, just your, your steadfast faithfulness towards, you, towards who you are and towards us, Father. We thank you. Be with us today, and may it be pleasing as we lift your name up in character and deed. Amen. Shabbat shalom. Those online, I will see you next week and we'll uh, start finishing chapter
4: four. Thank you for your time here. Um, Shabbat shalom, everyone.